The Tigers are playing. Two nights. I never miss a game. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. Give me all you got! You know, I don't know how to do laundry, Stuart. I've been needing laundry lessons. You're goddamn right. Welcome to Comic-Con. A geek podcast for the rest of us. A geek podcast for the rest. Welcome to Comic-Con's podcast, the geek podcast for the rest of us. Who are the motherfucking rest of us? My name is Nick Stevens, and I am your host, but away aren't we all talking about comics? Kids, every now and then we like to talk about comic books on this show, and I don't mean any run-of-the-mill Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, what have you, sector jurist, my addiction crap, you can stick it up your ass. I mean an indie comic book writer, Okay. And we're going to talk about an indie comic book, and we're going to talk about uh, comics in general, and and we're going to talk about this guy's uh, podcast that he does. He does a D&D podcast, and this guy that I'm talking about is Mr. Dennis Robinson, and he's going to be talking about all this shit. And we just happen to bump into each other in the uh, into the ether, as one does when they're surfing the web, and surfing the web, how fucking old am I? I'm 40 and I demand a recount. Anyway, you get the idea. We bumped into each other on the interwebs and had a little chitsy chatsy sick at a batsky. And we're going to get into it. So waste not, want not. Let's not stand on ceremony here. Mr. Wayne, here he is. Mr. Dennis Robinson. Not long ago, deep in the Appalachian wilds, in a galaxy far, 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 far away, a group of drunken misfits joined forces to play Dungeons and Dragons. Probably the most awesome of all Dungeons and Dragons games. Inspired by boredom and equipped with loose morals and a questionable understanding of the rules, our heroes ventured forth to explore strange new lands. Gather up your dice, your manuals, and your livers and join us on a quest to make absolute fools of ourselves. This is Bach. A D&D podcast. All right, all right. Hey, Nick, how you doing? Good, good. How you doing, man? Oh, tired and very busy. <laughs> tired and very busy. Well, hey, I appreciate, you know, your flexibility. You know what I mean? I always say this to people. I say, hey, let's shoot for nine o'clock. I'm a proud papa. Nothing's going to happen. And the mm-hmm. town's in disarray, and all of a sudden I got to push it back. So I just appreciate you being so. No, no, no. I, I appreciate you giving me the time to come on your show. So yeah, I was I was totally fine to. I'm that's not why I'm tired. I'm tired because I just got too much stuff going on oh, okay. with the book and like my dad uh, lost uh, the sight in his one eye because the nerves oh. got disconnected. So I've had been and then he got then that got infected. So I've been driving him around all over the place. So it's just crazy. One of those days. Just <laughs> one, one of those of weeks. Days. Oh, one of those weeks. Yeah. Well, either way, I appreciate you, sir. Mr. Dennis Robinson, I did a little intro at the top of the show to kind of give you your, your dues due, but uh, I wanted to just welcome you again to the podcast for taking time out of your busy day and busy week, it sounds like, 
uh, for gracing us with your presence. And, and let's, <laughs> let's look, let's, let's, let's talk about, let's just wait to not one, not, you know, let's fucking sure. dive into it. You know, um, how long have you been writing comics? Uh, so the, the book Lycan, Solomon's Odyssey, I wrote that originally in 2009, or at least I wrote like a rough outline of a bunch of books. And then I said, this is, I'm never going to make a comic book. And I just, there are literally rolled up pieces of yellow paper somewhere <laughs> in a box from 2009. I don't know where they are, but they exist somewhere. And then I started podcasting uh, back in 2016. And through podcasting, I got invited to Dragon Con to do panels and stuff like that and met a whole bunch of other nerds like myself. And I just pitched the idea to a few of them. They're like, yeah, you should you should do that. And then slowly over the last, I would say, four years, I so the first time I wrote the book, I wrote it like a crappy version of a book because I didn't know how to write a comic book. Right, so right, it's, okay. it's written like an overly descriptive like book slash almost play like you know scene changes and like light on this angle and like all it's just it was just right, really right, right. Weird. cut to you know exactly okay okay i got you exterior shot that i got you i got you yeah and then i i got in touch with an editor he gave me like a script format and then it got reformatted into a script so i would say the book as it's come out since i just got it this week or last week anyways i would say i've been working on writing that book and then getting it ready to go and everything for about the last three years. So this is my first comic that I've ever written. So wow, okay. See, I, I didn't have the backstory on that, and I guess I should have. I'm, and I apologize. I should have introduced you as a fellow podcaster too. Um, <laughs> Which is why it was funny when you messaged me earlier and you're like, "Can you just make sure that you have a mic and headphones?" <laughs> and I was like, "I hope after almost seven years, my audio quality is." It's. I hope it's okay. Well, you know, it's funny. At, at, at the top of the show, I I did mention that you have a podcast, but I hadn't had a chance to actually listen to your your the D and D podcast yet. Um, and I I should have put two and two together when I when you asked me, hey, you need me to you know bring anything up or you need to be prepared for anything else? And I said, yeah, just bring a mic. You'd be surprised how many people try to talk on a guest on a podcast with their iPhone headphones or something. And I'm like, oh, I know. Damn, man. Come on, you're killing me. <laughs> I no. know we've had it on our show because we've had guests come on and I'm like, how am I going to use this? Like, because I'm also the person who edits the audio. So just, me too. Me I, too. How am I going to fix this? And it's <laughs> also like, universe. if you're like me, it's one of those things where like, you know, it's not like your full-time job necessarily. You know yep. what I'm saying? So it's like one of those things where it's like, why am I staying up on a Tuesday night editing this podcast? And no, I do it on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny. Because podcasting, because I started that goofy little D&D podcast, I ended up getting a job. And then because of that job, now I work at another job and I run a podcasting initiative oh, and wow. like I do voiceover work for them. So like I actually get to do podcasty stuff at work, which is kind of cool, but it's not like my, it's not like the, the main part of what I do at work. No, but, but that is cool. cool that I get and, to that, do it. and that does help, you know, so oh, that, yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, I'm I'm the most nitpicky person at work. Like the the people who submit their like audio samples to me, they I have to imagine that they sigh because I'm just like, <laughs> okay, so you took a breath at uh, all these second marks, so I'm going to need you to fix that because you have to. It's one of those things where you're trying to teach them to be to get the brain worm like we have because right. once it's in there, you can't get rid of it. So no. like you you know if you listen to something where you can tell they haven't edited the audio and you hear the breaths and the tongue clicks and the ums and the you knows and all that stuff your eye just starts to twitch like crazy so 
No, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And it's funny, after you do it for a while, you kind of become a little snobbish about it in terms of your in terms of self critiquing your own shit. So like, when I first started out, I was just using a task cam a couple year, years back, mm-hmm. you know, because I started off doing music primarily. So I was like, well, I'm just gonna put a task cam in the middle of the room, and it'll be fine. We've yeah. come a, and I've come a little lo- ways since the task cam, which the task cam is great for when you're on the road, or if you're at sure. a con. But it's like, if I don't have a good quality audio on a show, I'll pick it apart. And a friend of mine will be like, no, it sounds fine. What are you talking about? But I'm ripping it to shreds because I'm like, no, it's not It's not perfect. I can't hear that binaural, you know, that fullness, you know? That's, that's why we got a – now, we haven't really used it very much. But if any time we go on the road to, like, a convention or something and we're trying to get somebody to record, like, the intro for the show, we have, like, an – I think it's an it's called an H4N Pro or something like that. And those things are super handy. Oh, yeah. um, and you can plug mics into them too. Cause I've seen some people just use it as like a portable sort of soundboard. Cause you just yeah. take your mics with you, plug them in and then you set it on the table and then you talk into your mic like you normally would. So oh, you can just perfect. do like an impromptu interview. Yeah. So, and that's what we're talking about tonight. Kids is podcasting gear. Okay. We're gonna... <laughs> Sorry. We're gonna... I can get off on a tangent on podcast. No, no, no. It's so easy. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Cause I started the fire. Um, but like, yeah, back up on the podcast. So when did you, st- you start doing the the D&D podcast? We started, so technically we started it in February of 2016, but the first episode came out April of 2016. Okay. Because we recorded like 10 episodes and had like a little bit of a bank. That's smart. That way. Yeah. And it, that has helped us numerous times as we've run into various catastrophes and then we went down all the way to zero episodes left in the bank and it's like okay we have the episode needs to come out right right, right. <laughs> no, we've never good. missed luckily we've never missed a release in almost seven years now i almost Ooh. there's something's going to come out on a monday every single week and uh the show itself i mean so it, it's D the way i describe it is that it's improv comedy draped in the loose skin of dungeons and dragons with some drinking involved oh pretty much it because like I, i'm the the dm so I, I don't really i'm not a rules nazi i don't i don't really care about that stuff i find it bogs things down so most of you know what makes the show as i guess popular as it is i hate to my own horn by the way i'm very self-deprecating <laughs> is that we like the table banter like people yeah. always talk about how much they love the table banter so that's that's why we don't really get bogged down. I mean, you know, you can't not play the game and have some of the rules, but for the most part, it's just the banter and them being murder hobos and just doing ridiculous <laughs> things. And we do seasons and each season is a completely different world, universe, characters. So it's not like one giant ongoing, you know, story that you have to like listen to the entire thing to catch up. You can literally listen to whatever seat because each season has a different theme. Like sometimes a fantasy. Right. This particular season we did sort of like a last of us kind of thing, like fungal zombie okay, apocalypse. Okay, okay. Last year was was in space. The year before that was HP Lovecraft, 1932 New York. Oh, very cool. Uh, our next season's gonna start. I'm trying to think if it's the 4th or 5th of September, but that's going to be a fantasy Western because I really love Westerns, but they also wanted to do fantasy. So I was like, can we do a fantasy and Western? And they said, yes, let's do that. So I love it. Hey, look, give me a sci-fi Western or a fantasy Western any day of the week. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I got my cosplay all ready to go. I'm going as the, uh, the man with no name. So oh, I got the cool. I got the whole thing except for the boots. I haven't got the boots yet. That's next week. I'm gonna try and get those because they need to get broken in because I'm gonna be walking for 12 hours a day at Dragon Con. So 
and and it's it's great that you mentioned Dragon Con. I feel like we're already kindred spirits. I went to Dragon Con. It, oh, Dragon Con was actually one of my first cons down in Atlanta, and I I just fell in love with it. It was always oh yeah. It was my sister would go down there a couple of years before I did, and then I went down there, and it was just it just blew me away. Like what a what a great con for it to be like your first con. I might have gone to Wizard Con in Philly like before that, but that was more just like mainly. It just it didn't match up. Almost the same thing as me. I went to BlizzCon because I had a that was my first con was BlizzCon because I had a buddy working at Blizzard at the time. So I went to BlizzCon and then the very next year I went to DragonCon and ever since I've basically just been going to DragonCon every year. It's insane. I mean, it, yeah. I've never seen anything like the way it sprawls a whole the whole oh, city yeah. and Atlanta's oh, not yeah. necessarily that big per se. So it's like sure it just sprawls and everybody's so great and like oh yeah so nice and well the number one rule of dragon con literally it's the only rule in the book is don't be a dick right that's it right because if you're a dick they take your badge away (laughs) (laughs) but i also enjoyed like it was also one of the the first times i've talked about this on the show before where i noticed because i'm a comic book guy you know what i mean so i I always like noticed right away it was like oh there's different tiers of nerds because you had like the comic nerds that were straight up like the cosplay nerds and then you had like Oh, there's the gamers. And they, well, I was like, why are they on like this bottom floor here? Like, why are they away from everybody? Like, and it was so quiet. It was like a library. And they were just like, playing Magic the Gathering and all that yeah. stuff. Oh, and yeah. It was really like, cool. I always wanted to be a part of that world. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I, but I just was always afraid of where to start or didn't know where to start. Like, yeah, I, I tried getting into Magic once and I it just, it, it just wasn't for me. My yeah. one of the guys on the show, Tristan, he does. So when he goes to Dragon Con, he tries to devote enough time to go down there because he always wants to win a mat. Because the thing is, like, if you win enough games, they give you like a mat or something like that, like oh, okay. a game mat. So he's always going to the magic tables to try and win <laughs> something. That's his uh, quest. Yeah, that's his quest. Right. So me, I love going. So I actually love going to Artist Alley because I like going to not just the comic, but all the different art. Um, oh yeah when you sure. get to the other vendors it's like okay you got your knickknacks and stuff like that it's fine it's fun to look around but i really like going to the artist alley and the comic section and just looking around yeah and like talking to people because sometimes like the artists they'll just be sitting there with like nothing to do like the smaller ones like the bigger yeah. ones yeah they're always hounded but like the smaller ones usually you know they've got some interesting stuff going on too and uh you know they have some interesting stories half the time yeah um and since I started, uh, I started moderating panels a few years ago. And last year, since uh, the Kickstarter for Lycan, I coincided it with Dragon Con. Same thing I'm going to do this year. The next book is going to launch with Dragon Con as well. Oh, perfect. Um, I reached out. I got in touch with like the comic track. And I was like, hey, can I get you know in on some panels? And stuff, like how to make a comic book or just anything like that. So I was moderating a panel. And I wish I could. I'm so bad with names. <laughs> but there was a guy. So I. I there was a, a panel I did on indie comics and it was like six different indie comics and they'd all worked for Marvel and DC before. And then they switched to, to indie. Wow. And so I went over to each of their booths. I introduced myself and said, Hey, you know, I'm Dennis. I'm going to be moderating your panels or anything you want me to like, keep in mind before the panel, blah, 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 blah. Sure. I try to get like a little bit of a rapport. Right. Of course. And the one artist, he was, he was brand new to dragon con. He just got into the industry and his art was like really cool because it was really different. And all the other artists that I talked to were really excited to have him on the panel because he's like a relatively unknown, but they all loved his stuff. And so I went over and talked to him and he, uh, I said, hey, I'm going to be moderating your next panel or I'm going to be moderating this panel. And he just like slumped over in his chair and sighed. Oh, and no. I said, what, what's up? He, he goes, this will be that'll be my second panel. I was like, well, what happened with your first one? He said it was awful. It was just terrible. Like. 
the other guys who just kept like I'm I'm unknown. So they just they were Marvel and DC people. So they just talk, 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 talk. Oh. I said, look, I've moderated panels before. I will literally just lob up shots to you specifically. I'll call each of you out by name. So I'll make sure you get your time in there. Fantastic. And because and he, he had talked about also some social anxiety. And then I said, you just give me a look. If like you're ready to move on, like you get away, just move it to somebody else. And so when we did the panel, it was funny because you could I could tell immediately because he was sitting right next to me, like his leg was going crazy. He was having some social anxiety. So I gave him like real easy questions at first. And then the other panelists were real good at like bipping and bopping, you know, back and forth. Right. Now, some of them were a little long winded. So then I would basically just like ask another question like the moment there was a period in one of their like sentences i was like okay next next point otherwise we're not gonna get to any other points um and then afterwards he said he had so much fun on the panel that he was actually looking forward to doing panels in the future i was like that's great because like i i felt so bad i was like ah, because if you get a bad panel you know it can basically you could color your opinion and you won't want to do it anymore and i think panels are a ton of fun because right. you get to meet people and then like they come up afterwards you get to talk and all that stuff. So I, I, I was just like doing it. So I was just happy that I could, you know, sort of turn things around for them. Um, but it was still neat with all those like artists up there. Cause basically I was just asking questions from a point of curiosity, right, like, right, Hey, right, right. how do I do this? Because <laughs> I'm trying to figure this out too. How do I get it on the ground floor yeah. here? What's going on? But it was funny. There was one thing I knew that they didn't know. And that's Patreon. Because they couldn't fit, none of them on there could figure out how to get their Patreon to work. And now, while I have one for the book, it's not that big yet. The show's Patreon is much better and more like fleshed out and all that stuff. Oh, okay. So I was like, oh, well, you, you got to do this. And they were talking about, you know, it was too much money investment. I was like, well, you're doing Patreon wrong. You got to do it where people are getting like inside access and it's really not costing you anything because they just want to get to know you better and like, see doodles and sketches and whatever like all you'd have to do is invest a little bit of time you don't have to get crazy and buy like merchandise in fact mm -hmm. most of the time i remember um there was a guy i met at uh, uh blizzcon and i talked to him about patreon he said never put merch on a patreon and the, this guy's like a, a bigger uh, podcast he's like because if they back at that level and they get the merch what is to keep them around they got the merch. They don't need right. it anymore. Right. It's you're giving like, them, it's better to give them content that they keep coming yes. back for. You give them content, content that, that they that keep coming not, back for. Right. Yeah. You know, I've so. known a few podcasters even more locally, like locally, like we're all like in the same neighborhood. <laughs> like, uh, what am I saying? Uh, not, not like Tiger Belly, Bobby Lee, you know, Mark Marin level podcasters by any sure, sure. Of the imagination. But maybe they got a cult following, like I like to think I do, and they want to make a couple extra smackaroos. And I've never done the Patreon thing. And I guess my hesitation has always been like, well, what do I, I guess I have to create extra content to Pretty put much. out there. That's like, that's basically, and, and it doesn't seem like it would be that hard, but it's always, it, for some reason, it's intimidating for some reason. So that happens all the time. Like I yeah. have so many podcasting friends that just didn't want to do a Patreon. People kept telling them like their fans were like, give us a Patreon, give, give us, us a Patreon. Patreon. Yeah. And they're like, I don't feel comfortable like charging people because I do a podcast I know, I know what you mean. or whatever. Yeah. And I said, it's fine. Like if they don't want it, then they won't buy it. You're still going to do your normal content. <laughs> it's just, you're going to give them access to extra content. Yeah, if they true. don't buy it, whatever, it only costs you a little bit of time to do it. Um, which that's is true. basically, you know, what I did with, so it, our show has the Patreon and then each of the members or most of the members also have like a side Patreon where they do like weird goofy stuff. And mine has to do with the comic book stuff and my Patreon, I give updates on the projects for free. Like I just post that 
Now, I don't know if anybody can find stuff on Patreon, even if it is free. But and then like the next tier is like a Discord. But you also get I every week I release a panel from a page that was produced that week. So mm. like if it's just being drawn or if it's being colored or you oh, know, that's whatever. I, I pick one of the panels that I think doesn't give anything away, but is like interesting. And I post that up and I give a little blurb about what it is. So that takes like no time. You just Photoshop a little bit. And then for the 10, and then I think it's like five or 10. Maybe it's five. It, yeah, it's $5. Uh, it's just like an extra podcast that I do where I give, I talk about updates. And then I have another buddy of mine interview me and ask me various like comic book stuff in terms of like, how did you do this? Right. How did you do that? Like sometimes it's business questions. Sometimes it's, you know, art questions or struggles or Kickstarter stuff. Like it's, it's, it's just whatever. So we have a whole bunch of episodes on there. So right now, you know, my comic book is very little known. So my, my hope is that eventually, you know, as people start to read the book, because at the back of the book, there's a little ad for the Patreon. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. And so if then somebody then goes to the Patreon, it's like, oh, there's this whole back catalog of like content. And it tells you exactly what each of the episodes is on. So it's like one of those things where it it doesn't take me a ton of time, but it's there in case somebody, you know, really is interested in getting into that sort of thing. And right. Once you put it out there, it's out there now. Exactly. Is the book itself available online right now? Because what you sent me was a was a was a like a scanned copy and i read it and by yeah. the way i love the book just let me oh, put thank that up right now i really love the book because i love anything that involves creatures or transformations or anything same. like that like same way and i'll take a quick pause here you know even like it takes something popular like 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 star wars sure nine times out of ten i gravitate towards the the off the offbeat creatures of the yeah, Star Wars like universe. Like the Trandoshans or whatever. Right. Or like, or even like the, your, your not so popular cyborgs or robots, just, just your yeah. B list, your B list weirdos that you'll see like in the back. I'm like, who the fuck is that guy? Like, <laughs> I want that toy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's the shit I gravitate towards. So when I'm, I start going through the book and your book doesn't waste any time. It gets right to the fucking story. <laughs> like it goes, Oh my God. And it's bloody and I love it. And it, and it's gore. I wouldn't, I don't, I'm hesitant to say it's straight hard. Cause I know there's a little bit of like, there's, that was where I was struggling with it too. I was like, I, th- I feel like it has horror elements, but I don't know if right. you could classify it just as horror because like it's, I don't, I mean, I don't find it that scary. So I don't, you know, I don't know if that counts as horror or not. So I don't, I don't know what qualifies as horror right. these days. I mean, obviously the title <laughs> like in wolf creature kids, if you don't sure. know, if you don't know your Googs. Okay. I mean, sure. exactly. And our main character is the said wolf creature mm-hmm. and he, Things don't really work out so well for him as one not, might. Not so much. Not so much. But um, it's not a Teen Wolf story, kids. Okay? It's not Teen Wolf. <laughs> it's no definitely party. not Teen Wolf. No. Uh. Uh-uh. What? What? So, what brought upon the um the idea? I mean, what? What? How did this flesh itself? I mean, I know you mentioned Kickstarter when you were getting it sure. out there. Sure. So the I've always loved werewolf stuff. Oh, like, me too. Like I've always loved that mythology and lore. And the reason I got that sort of bug in my head was when I was a little kid, they would take us to the, there was a little library inside the school and we'd go in there and it was, you know, they give you time to read or whatever. And so I was wandering around and I saw this book. It was a purple book with, I think like gold uh, lettering on the side. And I pulled it out. It was literally just a picture book of Lon Chaney's The Wolfman. Did I read the book? No, I was looking at the (laughs) pictures because 
the picture showed Lon Chaney as, you know, Lon Chaney and then slowly transitioning into the Wolfman. I was like, wow, this is just super neat. And then I found like there was one on Dracula. There was one on the creature from the Black Lagoon and Frankenstein, and all that stuff. So then I got really into the universal monsters and then the mythology behind that stuff. And then as I grew up, I, I just started getting into all kinds of different folklore. And like I loved the show Supernatural. Uh, and like how they did different monsters and sure, like how sure. there was like a way you had to kill each monster or like it wouldn't work and all this stuff. So um, just all that kind of stuff floating out there. So it just kind of got in my head and I've always liked telling stories. I mean, I do the podcast. So, you know, I do stories that way, but now this way sort of lets me do it in a visual sense. And somebody said, well, why, why don't you just write it as a book? And I said, I kind of would like people to see it the way that it's in my head. Oh, it's like perfect. when I, cause when I read a book, I'm literally just playing like a picture movie in my oh, head. Of course you got your own actors lined up and everybody. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But nothing ever, so this is also why I didn't draw it because nothing ever <laughs> looks the way that it's in my head when I draw sure. it. So I was just like, so I, I had to find some artists and I was like, Hey, these are the, these are the styles that I'm going for. You know, these are the, di like I gave so many reference photos for like werewolves. I want this from this one and this from this and over oh, here yeah. and over here. And uh, the, the final product they gave me, I was like, boom, that's, that's what I'm looking for right there. Okay. Did and you meet then, these guys online? Just, you didn't know them beforehand networking. I met wow. them through networking. So the, the artist of the book, uh, Salvador Denair, I just call him Sal. He's from Spain. The colorist is Ezekiel Dominguez. He's from Argentina. Uh, the letterer is named Joel. I don't know where he's from because he. I met him through uh, my first editor on the book. Okay. And uh, then I have a writing editor and an art editor. So there's a whole, you know, group of people working together. Um, and then the cover artist is Christian Dabari. So he's an American artist. So a whole bunch of different people sort of working together. Right. That's a big collaboration, man. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a big and so it gets so some people were like okay well can you produce the book faster and i was like well it's kind of like a conveyor belt until the artist gets done with his bit the colorist can't move to his bit and until the colorist gets done with his bit the letterer can't do his bit so right. it really can't go any faster than you know piece a piece b you know it has to come through in a very specific motion, you can't do it like out of order or anything like that. Cause the lettering usually is pretty quick. Um, you know, Joel and I went over like, this is the style I'm going for. And usually if there's something special, I want on a page, I'll just make a note and I'll say, Hey, I want this person's lettering to look different, or mm. I want to use a color for this or, you know, stuff like that. And he's just like, yeah, no, no problem whatsoever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it, it's one of those things where, and I always tell people, because people ask me, you know, what is the easiest way to do this? And well, first off, there's not a real easy way to do it, but networking is so key. And I met all these. So I met all these people through a Facebook group called Pairing Writers with Artists. And I got into that Facebook group through my now art editor. And I got into the art editor because of his wife, who we hired for the podcast to do art for our Patreon. Oh, so shit. it's just, and I met her through Dragon Con because I went to Dragon Con and was and, asking artists who would do tell, art. They tell two friends and they tell two friends and so yep. on. And so on. Yep. Because no, that's we great. Started, yeah. So I, I always say, like, you never know where networking's going to go. So just, you know, make those relationships and just keep them in the back of your head. And then, you know, if you can help them, cool. If they can help you, cool. Like I always tell people, do not 
go into networking with the plan to use a person right. because they can sniff that from a mile away. You should go in, you should just try to get to know people and then right. develop a relationship. And in fact, try to help them with something. Some of our artists that we got on botched, you know, normally like they would either charge more money or they were like out of our price range at the time. And we said, Hey, I see, like I walked up the tail and said, Hey, I see you're doing a Kickstarter. Would you be willing to, you know, this is the price range that we have. We'll promote that Kickstarter every episode, like every week of that month, if you want. She was like, oh, would you? I was like, yeah, we'll put it out on social media too. Like no problem whatsoever. She's like, yeah, then I'll just work in your price range. And it's just one of those things where we've still been working with her for years later. That's Um, great. So it's one of those things where, you know, I, what's the old saying? I scratch your back. You scratch mine. Right. right. It's all who, you know, kids, it's all who, you know. Yep. Well, I know who I'm going to reach out to. Um, when, when I do monster squad for its 35th anniversary this year, I know who I'm going to reach out to and have come on the show. If you'll, if you'll come back because, sure. Because obviously, I mean, it sounds like you would probably have a lot to say about that movie. <laughs> you know, what's funny. We actually just watched that. I just watched that movie for the first, for the first time oh. earlier this year. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I never knew it was a thing. And then, you know, a few years ago, I saw it pop up and I was like, oh, what's this seems cool. And they're like, ah, it's basically just the Goonies. I was like, well, I've never seen the Goonies either. So, OK, that doesn't mean oh, anything man. to me. No, no, it's 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 so much more than that. Though. But it's, it's not. So, yeah, it's yeah, not it's so the great. Goonies with monsters in it. Um, <laughs> so great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, man. I loved it. Werewolves so, got nards. Oh, it's great. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. Um, so what's the plan for the release? I mean, is the book out, out in, in, so, in hard form or is it digital or comiXology? I mean, what are we thinking? Got the Oh, look at that. Right here. Look at that. So beautiful. The, the, so the issue I'm having is that I wanted to have the, so I was waiting for the books to arrive and I wanted a website because to, to sell it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, my plan is to just post it digitally there because okay. if you sell it physically, a lot of people will do print on demand, but they they take like sixty five percent of the pro, like of the the money, and then they print it with low quality. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to put a low quality version of the book out there. So in the PDF version that I'm going to put on Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble, the first page literally says, "If you would like a physical copy of this book, go to www.highfedstudio.com." Oh, the problem is. Hiveheadstudios.com isn't a website yet. It's it just redirects to my Kickstarter because I was supposed to have uh, one of my buddies said he was going to help me set up this website, and then yesterday he said he doesn't uh, he doesn't have the time to, <laughs> to help me set up the website. So I'm like, okay, well I got to figure out how to build a website now, I guess, because I I want to have the website where you can get some basic information about the book. You can even download a sample of the book. I think it's like the first te- first eighteen pages. Uh, where you could just read the first 18 pages for free. Mm-hmm. And if you want to buy it digitally, you can buy it digitally there. If you want to buy it physically, you can buy it physically there. Um, the other plan is I've already started getting it into a couple of comic book shops. My plan eventually is to start contacting a lot more comic shops. I just haven't had the time right now because I'm trying to put together 150 Kickstarter packages. Sure, sure. I stupidly said that I would have them out by the end of this week. And so now I'm killing myself to try and get these packages out by the end of this week. Oh man! Um, and then also conventions. Uh, my friend who lives down in DC, she is the best person at selling this book. Like she's so passionate about the book. She can get anybody interested in the book. That's how I got my first editor. And so 
I don't like to name drop, but she name drops all the time. So I'm just going to do it. So she she used to run around with Jim Starlin. Oh, wow. She met. Oh, by him the way, through- by the way, pause. Sorry. Sorry, Dennis. Sure. If you don't know kids. All right. Jim Starlin. <laughs> all right. He made Infinity War. OK. He gave us Dreadstar. OK. The famed Dreadstar before Peter David took over. Anyway, back to you. Sorry. Thanos. You know. Thanos. Come on. But well, so she did. So she used to do charity events for uh, like like previously great comic book artists that have fallen on hard times. So she, mm. she would go to these charity events and she met Jim Starlin there and he liked her so much that he would just bring her around to conventions. So then she just started meeting all these like crazy, like well-to-do, like famous comic book people. Wow. She was having drinks with like a whole bunch of these comic book people. And she pitched my book idea to these people. Cause she had read it. And Jim Starlin's agent said, Whenever he wants to sell that book, you let me know, and I will take that personally at no charge to all these publishing companies. And I was like, I don't know. What, I was like, what do you tell people? She goes, that, I, just, you know, I just talk about it passionately. I'm like, that doesn't help. <laughs> I need to know what you say so I can say it. <laughs> right. What magical words? What sorcery yeah. is this? You know? Now I'm now that I'm not even going to go that route. I'm thinking. I think I'm going to just try and do indie publishing, like just publishing it myself and getting it out there that way, because. I don't know if a publisher would go for it because of the rarity of the release schedule, like once a year. Mm. I don't know if they'd be into a graphic novel, like a 60 to you know 90 page graphic novel coming out once a year. I'm not sure. So right. we'll see. But that kind of, I mean, obviously you, 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 you did something, you created something, you wrote a story, you had, you set your mind to it. You collaborated with some people, you put it out there. It's out there. You know, so, I mean, that's a huge deal, man. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, it was definitely a labor of love. There were a couple of times where I was about to give up and uh, had some people basically talk me off the ledge. In fact, the the one guy who was so um, we used to do a Twitch channel called the Bromigos of the Stream Apocalypse, <laughs> and we would play the group games. And I had remember how I had said before, I wrote the comic in like a crappy book format. And the, the reason for that was I gave it to people to read so I could get feedback. Like, do I need to put more emphasis on these characters? Do right. I need to, you know, change the story? Does the story work? Stuff like right. that. So it wasn't in like a finalized version or whatever. So these guys, I sent them the copies and every week on Bromigos, they would pick a random like paragraph and just read it, but like, just make fun of it the whole time. And I was like, it just put me down so hard. Oh. And then on top of that, my editor or not my editor, but the guy who would become my editor put me in touch with the guy who taught him how to write comics. And so I sent him all that stuff. Again, it wasn't even really in a script format. It was a crappy book format. The guy said, there's nothing salvageable about this story or any of the characters. Jesus. Do not do this book. It will never work. Um but if you'd like, you can pay me $1,800 and I'll teach you how to write a different story. And I said, I'm, oh, I'm good. God. Thanks. But I was like, you know what? I Maybe there's just maybe he's right. I'm just going to call it quits. And one of the guys who was making fun of me all the time, he's like, if you don't follow through on this book, I will be disappointed in you for the rest of your life. And I was like, oh, OK. So then, all right, I'll, I'll give it another go. And then the guy who put me in touch with the. Uh, the. Uh, the the critiquer, I guess uh, he became, he, he took the, took a look at the book and he was just like, no, I, I mean, it's rough around the edges. Cause you don't know what you're doing. He's like, right. you just need to know, you just need to learn how to write a script. He's like, I'll teach you how to write a script. He's like, but this story, like this definitely salvageable. 
there's some things we can tweak and whatnot, but you know, I, can I be your editor? And he became my editor and, you know, um, and the book sort of changed a bunch because I originally had written this as five books in like an arc and there's three arcs. So eventually there's going to be like 15 books, assuming I don't add a whole bunch of other stuff in there. I was going to say, I don't, without spoiling the book, I mean, sure. I, this story definitely has, has, has to, can and has to go other places. Oh yeah. Yep. You know it, so the, I, I like, so the, the book is a, a mix of mythology, folklore, religion, and history. Yes. And so each book touches on a little bit different of a time period. Now, the first few books, they're laying the groundwork, so they're roughly around the same time. But we're talking, it goes into like ancient Sumeria, ancient right. Egypt, ancient Greece. The, the Greek one, I call it sort of the Greek Avengers, where they're going into <laughs> Tartarus and they're doing all this stuff. But did you have deities and like all the different afterlifes and gods and all that stuff? Because they all exist in the same universe. And even right. H.P. Lovecraft stuff, like I even have that. In the oh, universe. that's great! Like that's everything great. is is in there, um, and you have so much to do in the world in the world building there. You know what I'm saying? You have so much yeah. when you go. And I'm sorry if I'm interrupting your flow, but how no, no, how, no. how much how much did it, did it require a lot of research when you were doing some of the more like historical angle stuff? Were you so kind of the, or did you or did you just watch Stargate? Um, <laughs> just, like, just like, yes, I just watched. I, that's I just, that's uh, all the, I did. The OG, the OG. Stargate. With uh, Kurt Russell. Oh, James the classic, Russell. yes. <laughs> Which is funny because in a history class, they did show us that movie. And I was like, that's I don't fantastic. Know <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but um, so, no, there, there actually was a good bit of um, research, mostly on trying to figure out, okay, uh, I wanted this first book to be right when people start to settle into villages because yes, for the most yeah. part everybody was nomadic so the time frame is roughly 8000 bc for the first book and that's right when people started to to get into villages but there were still nomadic tribes and stuff like that and so then i said okay well 8000 bc what did people wear well you know they don't have any photographs so you know i was trying to research all right what would be the you know clothing of the time period and the area because it, it takes place in roughly saudi arabia basically right, right. and so it's like okay and that was so another that was another cool factor of the book too is that you know the the there's solid representation there too it's not like just you know white people folks it's not it's not yeah. just white people walking around yeah like, which is funny because one of the when i was doing art tryouts one of the guys made the most white looking main character ever and i was like okay this just blonde hair blue eyes exactly i was like <laughs> i said it's in saudi arabia and you gave me the whitest guy ever right, right. <laughs> like come on right uh but but yeah so well it the story wouldn't make to me anyways the way that i wanted because i already know what happens on the last page of the 15th book like literally i have the entire series mapped out in my head oh, and somewhat great. on paper and so I know where it's going. I know where I want it to go. So the first book, I needed it to take place in, a, in an area that made sense and sort of, you know, Mesopotamia, the, what this, they call the cradle of civilization. So it's like, okay, so I kind of wanted to start here because I also need him to be able to go to this place for this time period and this place for this time period. So him being in Saudi Arabia makes sense on a bunch of different levels. And so then I was like looking at, okay, what kind of clothes would they wear? All right, because, you know, what people think of today is what they might wear. It's not really what they look like back then. So it's like, OK, we got to get into that. OK, what are the tools that they have? Well, they don't have any metal yet. So it's all stone daggers and stone spears on sticks and things like that. Um, 
you know, it's a, it's, it's a mix of a hunter gatherer society sure. and like a village. So I, I tried to keep it as historically accurate as possible. Like I even mentioned in the book, how the main character and his brother have all these dead siblings because back then, you know, right. The mortality rate, mortality yeah. rate would be right. insane. So, right, right, right. Uh, so most of the, all their other siblings died from, you know, either in childbirth or they died from some unknown disease, stuff right. like that. So I tried to keep it as, historically accurate as possible while also bending the rules a bit because obviously you know there's not i mean i hope there's not demons in real life and you know <laughs> werewolves and stuff like that so goblins um, and ghouls right, right, right. exactly so i'm trying to keep it, it it's almost like an alternate retelling of history so i'm trying to still stay on like what actually happened in history but sort of tell it from a different perspective no i like love a lot like of, that I, I love that yeah and, and, like, and, uh, and I didn't, I, I didn't bump into that at all. Like I immediately put the hat on like, okay, we're, this is, this is what happened in this, in this timeline, yeah. in this universe. Yeah. So, so with this, so the first book, it's so early in time that there isn't a ton of recorded history. So there's nothing really for him to bump into, but I will give you a teeny tiny spoiler that he is in the Trojan war in book five. Oh, oh. So then you get to sort of see, you know, what happened to Achilles and, you know, oh, all the other stuff cool. that's going on. So, yeah. And then you get the Egyptian, like, I'm really excited about the Egyptian gods and the fourth book. So the, the second book is in production already. Like I mentioned before, the Kickstarter for it is set to launch this September. So the book is almost completely drawn already. And then it's halfway colored. Uh, I think it'll be completely drawn probably by mid July, I would say. And then we'll probably start on character sketches for book three because book three is already written. Uh, it's been drafted. It's been finalized. So as wow. soon as book two is done, book three can get going. And book three is about 50% longer than books one and two. Books one and two are both 60 pages each. So And you're putting these out roughly every year? like one, About one year. as, as okay, fast okay. as, uh, you know, <laughs> my artists can get, you know, everything moving. But I like the idea of doing the Kickstarter in September to coincide with dragon con just because yeah it kind of started with dragon con in the first place like getting back into the whole like trying to write the comic so and i love dragon con and i like the the atmosphere and i love all the people and stuff like that and plus i'm i'm on a lot of panels and because i'm doing the book i've sort of branched out into other panels where i'm doing like writing panels or i'm doing fantasy literature panels or i'm doing comic book panels right. and stuff like that and, you know sometimes you'll get a panel that has one person in it so it's like okay well it makes it easy i'm just gonna talk right at this one person for right. like 90 minutes and i can tailor it right to you and then sometimes you'll get 300 people in a panel and you know it's the exact opposite where you're just gonna talk at this giant vast like ocean of people and just be like okay whatever right 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 <laughs> No, that's awesome, man. That's really, that's really cool. And I'm excited to, to read more and to see where, where, the, where the characters go and where, and where the world building goes, man. Cause it's really, it's really, really cool. I love, I love the first book he sent me. I'm going to buy a fucking copy. I'm going to go to the site. I'm going to get a physical copy because hold that one up again. Hold that book up again. Are those letters, is that, are those letters, is that like, is that like actually so, like flashing so this, on there? Is that so? This was glossy? for the Kickstarter. So, the Kickstarter, these are foil letters. Oh. So, both the top and bottom are foil. So, it was like a stretch goal that I'd done. Oh, it's um, great. Yeah. And technically, the moon is supposed to be glow in the dark, but I don't think I've messed around with them long enough for them to actually glow in the dark yet. But 
because uh, I had the same thing with the pins that I got. Like the enamel pins I had didn't glow in the dark at first, and now they do. So I don't I don't know how that works, but I'm um, gonna try. I'm gonna try to get my hands on. One. You, you still have copies of those available? Oh yeah, I've got. Oh. I, so I ordered a thousand copies, um, and the Kickstarter was like two hundred some copies. So I still have okay. like eight hundred copies. So I can let you know whenever the website goes up. Um, so that way, or if you want, you could just give me your address and PayPal me <laughs> and okay. I'll just send you a book. <laughs> is your Kickstarter, is your Kickstarter still going? Do we need to like promote it or are you No. Done? So the first Kickstarter was September of last year. So that okay. was successful. So that was I, good. I, I had set it at like $6,000 and we made 10,000. So I was That's very amazing with, with that one. I, I know. Right. It was all word of mouth. Basically. I tried to get out on podcasts. I tried to, you know, I was in the local paper, you know, I was just trying anything I could. I took off work for almost the entire month. I used all my PTO. <laughs> I was like, they're like, Hey, you should take some PTO. I was like, no, I can't. I'm literally using almost all of it for this entire month of September. You're I committed. Kickstarter. You're committed. And uh, so, so that Kickstarter was successful. And the next Kickstarter will start on uh, September 2nd. There gotcha. isn't a launch page up yet because you can't launch the page until you have everything up and ready to go. Right, for the right, review. right. And so it'll I still coincide have to with DragonCon every year yep. and you'll yep. launch a new one. Gotcha. So I'm this year it's, it's the 2nd of September. It should be that Friday. So right before I leave for panels, I hit the go, the go button <laughs> and then there put out go. some social media posts or whatever. And, um, yeah. So the, the plan is the next Kickstarter will be up. It'll be a different, um, I'll have like a, 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 like a web address that'll redirects to it. I mean, you can search for it on Kickstarter at that time, but there will be a, like a web address. I think it's lichenbook.com or something like that. I have to double check because I bought two um, web addresses and I'm going to use the Hivehead Studios for the actual website and then the Lichen book for like a redirect specifically to Kickstarters. That's the plan anyways. No, that's great, man. That's great. So can we tell the Kamikazes where to go like right now if they want to just follow you on the social media platforms or just stay sure. stay abreast of what's going on? Give, give them, yeah. give them so, where to go. Uh, it, it, I'm mostly on Instagram. So at world's most okayest DM. Uh, that's the moniker on the Botch podcast and it's kind of <laughs> stuck around. So, um, so world's most okayest DM. Mostly I post pretty much just comic book stuff from like the book series and then puppy pictures. Like I have a big floofy Newfoundland and that's pretty much most of what I post. And I get messages all the time. Like, can you, can you, yeah, that's cool. You got a book. That's fine. But can you post more pictures of the dog, right. please? We want to see the dog. Right? Yeah. We want to see the dog. I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> well, it was funny. Cause I did the unboxing. I did an unboxing video on Instagram. Uh, Cause when I first got all 23 boxes of books, I'm sitting there cutting open the boxes and Yoshi is her name. She literally jumps up and just like perches on my, uh, my leg and i'm like well there you go guys you guys in the audience that are here just for yoshi boom there you go there, there she you is go. and then she and she can be the endorser she can be the the exactly. mascot you know what i mean she's a black dog too so she you know kind of looks like a werewolf a little yeah, bit yeah there you, you know, go big big fluffy werewolf but whatever um and then you can also check me out at patreon.com slash hivehead studios uh, i do free updates on there so if you just want to know what's going on with all the books in the series uh, or if you want to, you know, donate money, that's cool. You can get, you know, sneak peeks at art that's, you know, for the panels that are coming out. So you can get a sort of a look ahead before anybody else gets in there. Or you can even donate $5 and get a podcast where I go all kinds of in-depth into things. And if you have any questions about podcast or what, well, any questions about podcasting or about making comics, I'm always happy to, to answer that stuff. So those are the two best places to find me. I don't really spend a whole lot of time on Twitter, but I'm only I'm world's okayest dm on twitter because there aren't enough characters <laughs> oh, <there you> go. <laughs> well 
Well, Dennis, it's, it's been a pleasure actually getting to know you and, and thanks for coming on the show and talking about the book and talking about podcasting and talking about your podcast and just your world. It's uh, again, I'm just really impressed, man. It's a huge deal. I really love the book. I can't wait to get my own physical copy of it because right now I just had what you sent me on, on the email. And I, I can't wait to hear what some of you guys out there listening to the show think about his book when you get your hands on it. So I'm going to put all your links in the episode bio okay. when I drop this episode. And uh, just uh, thanks for thanks for coming on, man. Thank, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. And like I said, it was great getting to know you because literally we, it seems like we have like a lot of the same stuff going on in terms of like we both like the monster stuff. And then we both had Dragon Con be like our second con ever. And, you know, it's just kind of funny how that worked out. It is, man. That's <laughs> what I love about doing the show. I love meeting people that are, you know, kind of into this world, into this realm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's pretty fucking fantastic. And listen guys whatever we said on this show don't take any of it not seriously because i want you to take most of it seriously normally we tell people not to take it seriously because we're I'm, talking about bullshit. i'm i'm not a serious person but so but okay. but we want to take some of this a little serious because we want you to check out like it okay and we want you to check out his stuff and uh and yeah so it is just fiction but it's also not just fiction that's true and thanks for listening